Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. Now, some people, they forget to eat, and some people plan every single meal down to the mashed cauliflower with the cheese substitute sprinkled on top. I have fallen into both categories, going from obsessively thinking about every single calorie to realizing at 7 p.m. I hadn't eaten anything that day. Our relationship with food, good or bad, runs over into much of our lives. But what if we stop looking at food with the mindset of good or bad, healthy or unhealthy? What if we stopped letting food have any real control at all? And I get that, you know, this topic doesn't necessarily strike a chord with everyone. But I would be willing to guarantee someone in your life struggles with their view of food and, in turn, their view of themselves. This mindset we're talking about today will change a lot of that. Here's No One Told Me I Can Change the Way I Think About Food. Okay, so listen, I know a lot of you want to know more about healthy eating or about living a healthier lifestyle and practically what that looks like because there's a lot of information out there. One scroll through social media and chances are good you're going to stumble upon something or articles or blogs. It's hard to know what to listen to and what actually you can do. So I went and did a little research, a little digging, and I found my new friend, Elizabeth. And what she does, she has a website and almost like, is it, would you call it a company, Elizabeth? What would you call what you do? Yeah, business. Yeah, business. So it's Women of Wellness. And I really loved what her goals were through this. So I'm going to let her tell us a little bit about what that is. Elizabeth, tell us who you are, kind of your background, what you do. Fill us in a little bit on that. A little bit about me. So I kind of started in the health and wellness world. I wanted to be a nurse and I got some jobs in the hospital. And long story short, I love nurses and I love what they do. I just decided that I didn't want to continue to take care of people that were ill. I wanted to help prevent illness. And so I went into the health and wellness world and I kind of started initially in personal training, which is kind of where a lot of people start. And I absolutely loved it. But I noticed something as a trainer that I would work with these women and I would say, hey, do this, follow this plan and you'll get the results that you want. And they'd come back to me and they wouldn't do parts of the plan or they'd be like, life got in the way or like, I just, just, this is really hard. And it kind of frustrated me at first. And then I realized something after several clients of doing this was that, you know, health and wellness is not, it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's not a one size fits all. We have a life. <laughs> Your life is different than mine. And you struggle with different things than I do. And you have different strengths than I have. And so what I learned was that every woman has a different and unique approach to wellness that's special to her. And she has to find that amidst her lifestyle, whatever that looks like. And so that's kind of what led me 
down the path to more wellness coaching. And so I went, got more schooling (laughs) and I just decided that I wanted to help coach women and I wanted to be there and help them realize, hey, life is good and life is a part of becoming well. And so we have to find a way to fit that wellness into your lifestyle and, and whatever that means, kids or you know, work or whatever that looks like. And so that's kind of what led me down this path is that I truly believe every woman has within her the ability to know what makes her the most well or what makes her her best. And my mission and my goal is to help you learn that and tap into your own body and into your own mind and figure that out within your own lifestyle. I love that you say within your own lifestyle because you can find anything out there and try to force it to fit who you are and what your everyday looks like or what your season of life is. And a lot of times it doesn't work and then you're discouraged and then you think, well, maybe it's just not for me. And then using it as like the preventative means. I mean, that's a huge deal because a lot of times we don't start doing something until we don't feel good. What are some of like the basics of what you talk about with women? When you say, you know, you want them to become women of wellness, dig a little bit deeper into that and what that actually means in everyday life. I kind of like to look at it as different areas of our life. So we have physical health, we have um, mental, emotional health, and all these things that go together and they work together. You can't just work on like physical health, but you also have to kind of have an emotional component, you know, because we talk about emotional eating and stuff. So physical food, but then emotional, emotional eating and all of how food plays a part into your life. And so What I try to do is take a whole approach, a whole body approach to wellness. Yeah, I can tell you to wake up and go to the gym every day at 5 a.m. and you're like, oh, I didn't sleep all night long or, you know, I've got a little baby at home or I'm stressed or whatever it looks like for you. And so I try to take this big picture approach and say, okay, let's break it down to the very basics and meet yourself where you're at right now. What season of life are you in and how can we take this whole approach and say, okay, what do I need to work on emotionally, mentally to get myself in the right mindset for becoming well? And that means having self-compassion, loving yourself enough to say, I'm going to push a little bit, but I also know my boundaries and I know when it's time to push and when it's time to relax. You know, we have different seasons And the same thing goes with physical. Okay, how do I know when I can kind of step it up or or whatever? And so I really like to meet women where they're at. And and that's what I teach them. I want you to meet yourself where you're at and then take one extra step or one change and work on it one little step at a time. That's the small steps. I think that's such the key, especially when it comes to like a timeline. Because I know when I start something new, I'm like a weekend and I'm looking in the mirror or I'm looking at my life as a whole or I'm looking at the house or whatever the the step is that I've taken. And I'm like, okay, why is it not drastically different yet? Like I have put the effort in. I've done this for a week and things aren't all of a sudden changed and different the next day. And just the patience it takes to on this wellness journey to be someone different, it doesn't happen in a week. It is one step at a time. And then what's the next step and the next step. And just to get kind of in the like details of it for a second, Elizabeth, you know, when I was looking through some of your stuff and uh, your website and your blogs and everything else, I saw the phrase intuitive eating. And I have seen this several different places and I've always been interested about it. 
when I read about it, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, so if I'm sitting here and I feel like I need to have a piece of this cake, I'm going to have a piece of this cake because my body wants this. You know, (laughs) I just was like, and then that's a dangerous road for me because let me tell you something, I love cake. So, I mean, if my body wants it, that was kind of my mindset on it. But then as I read, I thought, okay, there's more to it than just what your body randomly wants. There's differences. So will you just give us a broad definition of what this intuitive eating is, but then how is it different than just like a diet? I like to look at intuitive eating as you learning to eat for what your body needs. And sometimes we have this vision that we all need the same thing. (laughs) You know, the health and wellness industry says, eat this, eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. But the reality is, is we all have different bodies and we all need different things. We have some guidelines to follow that help us feel better. We know that if we eat foods that make us feel better, they give us energy and all those things. And so intuitive eating as an overall picture is teaching you how to eat for your body so that you can show up in your best way for this world. I think sometimes the misconception of intuitive eating is what you just said, where it's like, well, I'm going to eat the cake and I'm going to go crazy with it, or I'm going to eat whatever I want. And yes, intuitive eating teaches you that no foods are off limits. Food is available to you because diets teach you limits, restrictions, rules. And then what happens when you take toys away from kids, right? They want those toys so bad. And that's how we feel about food. As soon as it's taken away from us, it's like this craving we want it. And so intuitive eating teaches you how to allow food into your life, how to have that cake, but recognize that it is about a balance. And so how to learn how to eat for your body, listening to your hunger and your fullness cues, how to eat food that satisfies your body, like that tastes good to you, and also how to allow those foods that you've maybe always felt were off limits or foods that you've struggled with throughout your life, how to bring them into your life in a balance that feels healthy to you and that feels good to you. So that's kind of an overall definition of what intuitive eating is. I love that it brings the component of, hey, all food is available to you. You can eat whatever you want. But also let's remember that you are eating to fuel your body so that you can show up in your best way for whatever that looks like for your kids, for yourself, for your job, for life. And that it kind of marries the two in one one thing, which is intuitive eating. You know, you mentioned earlier that within this realm of intuitive eating and whatever that might look like for your life specifically, a lot of us associate feelings with our food. And so whether it's guilt or after we eat something, we feel guilty or we're happy. So let's celebrate and eat something or we're sad and we find comfort in the food. I know my life has been a struggle of tying my emotions to what I am eating. And so whatever I feel, it shows up in what I'm choosing to eat that day. And then by the end of the day, a lot of times how I feel has a direct link to what I ate that day. It's just, there are times when my world has revolved around food. So where's the line? I know that you have worked with several different clients, with several different women, and I would venture to say many women you have worked with have struggled with these same things. So how have you helped them discover what that line is? And how do we take steps toward, you know, separating how we feel from what we eat? So the thing that I always like to think about is why do we emotionally eat? 
because it's easy, right? Yeah. It's the way that we've been taught, most of us, probably the majority of us, to deal with our emotions. From a young age, we were probably taught that like, either if we finished our food, we got a dessert, or if we made it through something hard, we could go get a treat. Those emotions, those habits are ingrained in us. And so it's easy. It's easy to turn to that because dealing with emotions is not always easy, but (laughs) it's important. And so the first step really is to recognize the episode. Okay. This is emotional eating. Name it. Hey, I know you, this is emotional eating. Okay. So take a step back and say, what emotion am I experiencing right now? I am stressed. Okay. So normally I turn to food when I'm stressed. That's the habit that I've created. It's just easy. It's something that's easy. And the thing is food sometimes does calm the stress, right? It's kind of an immediate reward, which we're programmed to get immediate rewards. But the reality is, is that long-term the stress keeps happening. We can't get rid of the stress. And so what I like to say is how can we look at the emotion that you're experiencing and create the opposite emotion. So if you're stressed, what opposite emotion do you want? You want to feel calm, right? And so then you take a minute to look at, okay, what things make me feel calm? Does a piece of cake make me feel calm in the long run? Or does it help me deal with my stress? Probably not. Some days a piece of cake is perfectly fine and normal because dealing with our emotions all the time can be exhausting. And so we have the option of dealing with it, or we have the option of maybe distracting from it, going for a walk, or maybe dealing with it and calling a friend or or whatever it is for you. Try to find a way to get to the emotion that you want without having food as that middle piece. As you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, so when I am stressed, when I'm upset, when I'm happy, whatever it is, it is an emotional moment. And I was thinking, okay, what practice could I put in place other than turning to food? You know, if it is stress, okay, let's write down everything that I'm stressed about right now instead of going to the fridge. Or if it's sadness, let's sit down and talk to somebody and say, here's what I'm sad about instead of walking in the pantry and grabbing the goldfish. You know, like I really like the idea of okay, here's something else I will do other than this habit of food. And even when you talked about your kids, how you learn it from an early age, I mean, might have flu shots today. And I'm going to be honest with you. My plan was I'll tell them they can have a sucker if they stay calm during their flu shot. (laughs) Like it really is taught at such an early age. I mean, I'll make the joke all the time when one of the kids is upset and I hand them like a cookie that, you know, here in the Holland family, we eat our feelings, which is a joke. But I mean, there's a little bit of truth to that, if I'm honest with you, Elizabeth. So I I do love that idea of just let's start another practice, like recognize it as a habit and break it and, and try to do something instead of that trip to the pantry or whatever else. So that's so simplified and easier to kind of get a grip on. I know a lot of people will want some first steps to eating intuitively. That was an easy one right there. Instead of emotionally eating, do something else with those emotions. What are some other steps that you kind of encourage people to implement when they're trying to switch their lifestyle to more of this intuitive eating mindset? Yeah, well, one of the first things that I do, and it kind of scares people (laughs) a little bit, but it works, I promise, is I teach you how 
to allow all food back into your life. Because the reality is, is that most of us that have been on diets or meal plans or have been restrictive in any way have certain foods that are off limits or we have certain labels on food. This is a bad food. This is a good food. This is a healthy food. This is an unhealthy food. And so I try to teach you from the very first step is how can I look at food as a more neutral substance? It has to be a part of my life. I have to eat to live. This is a silly example, but I like to share it. It's not like alcoholism, where when you are addicted to alcohol, the treatment is that you avoid alcohol, right? You don't go to bars. You don't go, you don't go drink. Like You don't be around that stuff. And food addiction feels like a real thing to a lot of people. You know, we really struggle with feeling like, how do I get control over food? And the thing is, is that you have to be around food. You have to eat to live. And so we have to learn how to allow it around us and how to have it in a balanced way. And so the really, the first step is how can I get rid of these labels that I've placed on food my whole life? And how can I view it as this neutral substance? And it's just like the example that I gave with kids with toys. As soon as you take that one toy away from them, that's the only thing they want. But if they have a room full of toys, they are allowed to like play with this one and then set it down and go play with this other one. And that's what happens when you start allowing food into your life. It's kind of scary at first, but I tell people, allow food into your life. Let it all be a part of your life again. And then we can slowly start working on how do I find that balance with the foods that I'm nervous around or the foods that have consistently been something that I binge on or that I worry about. Once it's in your life, then we can start creating that balance. So that's really our first step is just allowing everything back in. And even the whole concept that some foods are bad, some are good, some are healthy, some are not healthy, but just removing all of those labels. I can imagine that that takes some time to to (laughs) train your mind to view food like that. This is a random question. I'm just curious. When you've worked with people, how long does that usually take to kind of shift those mindsets? That's a good one. Um, I'm sure it probably it varies based on the person, you know, like how deep into their thoughts and feelings about food they really are. I bet it's probably different for everyone. Yeah. it. I like to say, if I could give you like a kind of just a, here's a place to start, start with two weeks. Just start with a place of two weeks where you just allow food in, allow yourself to feel what your body is feeling, and then go from there and just see, okay, how did I feel how do I feel going forward? If you've had a longer history of dieting and all that, it's going to take a little bit longer because these things are more ingrained in in your mind and in your body. But that's a really good place to start is just say, I'm going to allow food for two weeks. And then at the end of two weeks, I'm going to evaluate how I feel and just proceed from there. Oh, that's so easy. That's great. But you know, you said trust your body, listen to your body. And I think even that is so hard to learn how to do. So how do you learn to to trust your body and what it needs and when it needs it and that big concept? That's exactly why we kind of give that first few weeks of eat everything. So you're not necessarily trusting your body right then. You're just allowing your body to have what you haven't had for so long. You're allowing everything in. And so what that allows your brain and your body to do is to start learning what things feel like to you. How does it feel when I eat 
seven gallons of ice cream or whatever, when I allow that food, because that happens. I mean, if you allow food in that you haven't eaten for a long time, you might binge on it. I mean, this is this is normal. Okay? Yeah. These are normal That's good to hear. That's comforting, Elizabeth. That really yes. is. <laughs> <laughs> because it's been so off limits for so long. And so I say, don't be afraid of those things. Allow them to teach you. And so the trust comes a little bit later. But what you're learning, you're gathering information for your body. And over time, you learn, okay, when I eat that food, it doesn't really make me feel all that great. Or, you know, I I recognize that when I eat a like a breakfast that actually fills me up, I have a little bit more energy for the day. So I'm going to attempt to, you know, be intuitive about my breakfast and try to eat food that, that makes my body feel better, you know? And so you start to listen, but it takes a lot of practice to learn. And so that's why we start with that beginning component of let's just eat food, allow it into your body, no judgments, nothing like that, but just start to pay attention to what feelings are coming up for you, what emotions, what physical feelings. And then you can slowly start to make changes so that it allows that trust to come in. But it doesn't happen right at the beginning. You're right. You know, even with our bodies and and when we think about just our bodies, whether it's how they look, how they function, what they allow in, any of that, a lot of us struggle, myself included, to have positive perceptions. We've spent so long beating ourselves up over what we did or didn't do, how we look or don't look. I know when I was pregnant, there are no pictures of me being pregnant because I just, I hated how my body looked in that season. And that is something that I don't think it's necessarily easy to get past. You know, like when you stand in front of a mirror or when you see a picture of yourself. I was talking to someone about this the other day, Elizabeth, where like you'll see a picture of yourself and you're like, wait, I look like that? Because in my head, yeah. I do not look like that. And, you know, we just, we struggle to to not beat ourselves up and to have a little bit more positivity about it. But in your experience, when you're working with these women, what's the root of a lot of this negativity we all feel? You don't always have to recognize the body to love it. And that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I'm a year postpartum, so I understand. Yeah, your body's different, yeah. Sometimes people think that you should be in a certain place a year postpartum. And I call bullcrap on that. Yes, please do. do Everyone hear that. Say it louder for the back, Elizabeth. Come on. (laughs) And it's okay. It's it's okay that your body is different and it's okay that you're in a different stage of life. The thing is, is that we can create self-care and self-love practices during any season or any stage of life. And I'm here to say, I'm okay if weight loss is a goal for someone. If we want to work on changing things with our bodies, there's nothing wrong with that. Those things are good and they're okay. But they're also good to learn to love where you're at right now because there is beauty in where you're at right now. Did you literally just grow a baby? Every woman's hormones and every woman's body is different and you have no idea what your body goes through to create life. And even if you haven't created life, you've done other things with your body that you can be proud of. And so... I like to kind of take a little bit of a different approach instead of, you know, starting with the physical attributes, which is important and we do need to see those. 
I want to start with the emotional attributes of our body. What has it done for us? What are we capable of doing in our body? And I'm willing to bet that every single one of you can find something. I know if it's been a long journey of body dissatisfaction and really struggling with body image, it might be difficult, but I know that there's one thing that you can find that you can feel proud of that your body has done for you or currently does for you. And from there, we slowly work up and we slowly, we teach that it's okay to love your body right now even if you don't recognize it, and maybe even if you want to change it a little bit. And so that's one thing, one simple example that I like to share is if you're struggling with your body image, I get this a lot with clients. They like to wait to go buy clothes until they've reached their goal weight. And I tell them, I say, no, go buy clothes that fit you now and that feel good and that make you feel confident and beautiful where you are right now. And that simple shift, that simple mindset shift, because sometimes we like try to squeeze in clothes that don't fit us and then we don't feel comfortable and it's frustrating, right? But if we look at, okay, I get that this is a season of my life or I'm willing to accept this or I'm, I'm wanting to accept where I am and know that this is who I am now, whatever that looks like for you, I don't care if you have goals or if you want to be happy with where you are, we've got to start to learn how to be happy where we are right now and continue to find ways to bring self-compassion, self-love into that season of life. Oh gosh. I just love so much that last thing you just said, especially of love where you're at right now, because I think we can get so tied up in the emotional part that we have with our bodies. And it's like you said, it's not just a physical how we look, but it always goes deeper than that. And when we get so tied up in that, we miss the joy of the season we are sitting in right now, whether it is right after you've had a baby and you get up to go put on a pair of jeans and they don't button. And all of a sudden you are spiraling down of why do I not look like I used to look? When will I be normal again? And you forget I have this brand new life right here. And, you know, this is a hard season in and of itself. Why add another layer to it? Or, you know, if you're in college and, you know, you hear about those first few years and even the first few years of marriage when you change, your body changes, your emotions change. And we miss so much, Elizabeth. And I love that. I think that's the point you're trying to get to. We miss so much when we get so tied down to what we think it should be or want it to be that we miss the season and actually experiencing it and enjoying ourselves and the people around us in the season yes. we're moving in. Our bodies, I mean, you said it, they change with seasons. Like they change with the stage of life and with hormone changes and whatever else is going on around you. Just practically speaking, what are some ways that we can better understand ourselves and how our bodies are working in these different seasons? So maybe we don't get so bogged down and tied down. You know, I kind of want to start that off with saying, I have a lot of clients that go, oh, I want to be back to my weight that I was in high school or or a certain time of life. And I go, do you really want to go back to high school? <laughs> let's, let's think about this for a second. <laughs> like, I get it. I mean, we're probably at our healthiest. I don't know if that's the best word to use, but high school, you know, you, you get to be selfish. Like you are, you're, the whole world revolves around you, yeah, right? Sure. You get to do what you want to do. And so the way that I would kind of approach this is, is by saying, recognize what season you are in. And instead of making excuses, looking for opportunities. 
So this is a perfect example. Like I am a year postpartum. And when I am in seasons of little babies, my sleep is top priority (laughs) always. And I have learned that. And so there was a time in my life that I was waking up and I was at the gym at 5 a.m. That has not happened (laughs) further like since then. Okay. That was in college when I was, the world revolved around me. Okay. And that's okay. That was a great season of my life. And maybe there will come another season where that's something that I enjoy doing again. But for right now, I can push and I can set goals based on what my season is. And so sometimes we want to we want to create a goal or accomplish something that would require us to shift our priorities a little bit. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with shifting priorities. But remember that when you shift one priority, then something else has to kind of take a little bit of a backseat. And I like to kind of teach that way. And I don't want it to come off as frustrating or anything like that. I want to be real (laughs) about it is that if you want to create certain changes and, and be very specific about it, there are specific priorities that have to happen. And so I like to look at it that as that is that right now, my definition of a woman of wellness is balanced so that I can show up for myself so that I can show up for my little kids. They take a lot of energy. I am in the the young kid mom stage. They take a lot of energy from me and I want to show up best for my business. And so I have to take a look at all of those things and say, okay, what is realistic for me to do right now? And I will be honest, I am just barely getting back into the swing of waking up early and going to the gym. Gosh, is that not the hardest thing to like create, go back into habits that you had for years once your life is thrown into a whirlwind? Yeah. And so that's the perfect example of taking a baby step or taking a little step of, okay, I recognize that I was in a season of rest and recovery. My body was still recovering. Maybe you have mental health and you're trying to recover from certain things like that. It doesn't have to be, you didn't have to just have a baby, but this is the example that I'm sharing. But you take that time to say, this is, this is a rest and recovery season. It's just like seasons in, you know, like the world, right? You have fall, winter, summer, where things grow and spring, things grow. But sometimes winter is just a maintenance stage and we have to, we're growing underneath the surface, right? And so once you start to learn how to trust your body, which takes practice, you can kind of take steps toward, okay, I'm feeling like I'm ready to step it up a notch. And so I'm going to make one change that I can do to step it up. Instead of trying to make 17 goals, which I get it, I am a total perfectionist. I struggle with that myself. What if we can, instead of trying to do everything perfect, what if we can do one thing well? And that's what I like to kind of let guide me. What one thing can I do well to help me in this area of my life? You mentioned childbirth and recovering from that, but you also mentioned mental health. And I think that's a huge piece of it too. Like when you're in seasons of stress, anxiety, depression, whatever that is, for some of us, exercising and getting out and and doing something is what helps us and kind of alleviates that. But for some of us, it's not. It just feels like something else we have to do that feeds the anxiety or the stress. And I love it so much, the concept of, okay, 
Here is what is going to help me be well, be better. Here's one step. And maybe it's not getting up at 4.30 a.m. and going to the gym. Maybe it's not, you know, going and spending every night out with somebody. Or, you know, it's different. It doesn't just revolve around exercise. It revolves around all of our seasons of life and understanding yourself enough to know, okay, here is my line. Here's what I can't do past this line. And I want to hold steady to it. That's such a broader perspective and such a fresh perspective, Elizabeth, to this whole concept of not just recovering from a season of sickness or whatever, but it is a mental thing too. Your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And I think that's the point you're getting at. And I appreciate it so much. Yeah. And the one thing I want to kind of bring light to it, I always like to say, is what you're doing a chore or a gift? And so sometimes when we look at exercise, it feels like a chore. But could we switch it and say, how could I make this a gift? Because exercise is a gift. Movement is a gift. It helps us in so many ways. And I don't have to go into all the benefits of exercise, right? What can you do right now that allows you to feel like this movement or whatever you're doing is a gift rather than a chore? And if you can do that, that will set you up for life because you'll know exactly when it's time to slow it down, when it's time to speed it up, and you'll know how to find that balance during the different seasons of your life. Yes. I think we've learned so many practical things today. These are some of my favorite episodes where you can actually, okay, like I can do this. I can do two weeks of intuitive eating and see how my body feels. I can, you know, look for one thing that helps me to be well instead of a million things. And I think it was just so practical the way you talked about it, Elizabeth. So tell us if listeners want to find out a little bit more, if they want to dig a little bit deeper with you, how can they do that? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I would definitely recommend the intuitive eating book. There is an intuitive eating book. Oh, that's great. Great place to get started. And then, so there's a couple of things. On my website, I have an emotional eating course. It's totally free. And it's just, just kind of a little like dive into emotional eating and how to deal with it and how to kind of work through it. Um, and then probably the the biggest place I'm the most active is on Instagram. I just get on and multiple times a week, I'm just sharing things like this, where it's just like, what is one thing I can work on? Or what's something practical that I can change with my lifestyle to help me get to where I want to be. So you can go to a womanofwellness.com and that will guide you to my emotional eating course, or I'm just a woman of wellness on Instagram. And those are probably the best places. And that's so easy because I mean, how often are we scrolling through? So just just add it in and we're going we're gonna to continue to learn alongside you, Elizabeth. But we love to end every single episode with one question. And that is, what's one thing you're so happy someone told you about? This can be anything. Just what are you really into right now? Okay, this is kind of different maybe, but there's this person actually that I follow online, which sounds kind of silly, but she and her husband kind of built this business and they're growing and and they're just really successful in their lives. And one thing that she's always taught that really just like has opened my mindset is to throw the party. That's what she says. And so I think sometimes moms and women in general, sometimes we struggle making friends or having a support group or anything like that. And the best thing that I've learned is be the one to set it up. Be the one to throw the party. Be the one to create the group if you need a support group. Be the one to start start the text chain, start the discussion. And you'll find that if you're the one that sets it up and does it, 
then people will come and you will make friends. And I just love that. And so I've just been like really into like dinner parties lately. Oh, wow. That's so (laughs) fancy. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) We get a beautiful fall here. And so we just did a little fall outdoor dinner party. And it's just so fun for me to get to know people. I am such a social butterfly. And so I love that opportunity. And so I just, I guess that's like the one thing that has truly changed my life is be the one to create the plans and you will be happy because your plans get created. And you know, the thing about that is too, Elizabeth, is a lot of people want it just as much as you do. You know, like when you say start the whatever, they want that community, they want the connection, they want it too. So just to know that someone's asking them, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but sometimes we think our lives have to be perfect to invite people in. Like we have got to make sure that everything is just right if we want people to come to the house or we have to make sure that, you know, our our lives look good before we uh, invite community. And they don't have to because no one else's does either. You know, I just throw the party. I'll, that is the best. That is such a great, just little, and it's so basic, but we forget that, hey, if you want this, you have to set up for it. You have to invite it in before it's going to yes. happen. So that's so great. Elizabeth, we are so excited that we got to hear from you today. We will link to your website and your workbooks and your book and your Instagram all on the show notes. So listeners can just click one time and find everything about you there. Thanks again so much, Elizabeth, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C.E. Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.